It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, Hoops heads. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Friday, February 23rd. I'm your host, Aliko Carter. I'm here with Miles, too. How you doing, Miles? Doing great. Glad it's Friday. Yeah, me too. It's been a long week. Uh, even, I mean, it was a short week. It was a short week. It was, it was a short <laughs> week, but uh, you know, it, it it felt long because uh, a lot of things, a lot of things are just popping off right now. I feel like that needs to be though, like a science, like of the world. That like, doesn't it always seem that the short weeks always just drag on for forever? Does that? I feel like every time we have a short week, especially if it's on the front end, like if your break is a Monday or a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Rather than, like, because everybody likes to have the long weekend, you know, Friday going into the weekend. But if that break is short, oh, my God, Tuesday and Wednesday feel like they never end. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know, maybe it's just me. Nah, I think you might be right. Though, I I just, I had, like, this, like, like three-year, like, epiphany situation over the weekend. Not over the weekend, but, like, starting on, like, Tuesday, that, like, has carried me through my week. Like, it's literally, like, an epiphany that, like, is three years in the making. It, it's crazy because that made it feel like it was moving really fast. Like, I was just excited about everything. And, like, I've been telling you, man, I'm still just, like, jazzed, you know? And uh, so I've, I've had the completely different experience. And I would say I've had the completely different experience uh, for all of our short weekends recently. Uh, the MLK Day weekend, same situation. It felt like a pretty fast, a pretty fast week for me. Mm-hmm. It was nice. Uh, but uh, you got a nice little trip ahead of you. You're going to Death Valley? Yep. Sounds awesome. I've never been. I haven't either, but I'm excited. Um, going to be a lot of fun, I hope. Yeah. Bad, I'm a bad Californian. I haven't been to so many California things. I need to go. Well, actually, no, I've been a pretty good Californian. I'm, I'm lying. But we're going to talk about this Clippers game because the Clipper game was a great, great treat on the way back from the All-Star game. And then we're going to replace Reddit Hole with a conversation about Black Panther because that movie is awesome and it's my show, so that's what we're doing. And then in the third segment, we're going to preview the Thunder, who've kicked our ass a couple of times uh, over the past few months and... and, and uh, you know, hopefully this momentum from this crazy, awesome performance from the from the Warriors offensively carries over into Saturday. Let's start with the Clippers. They came in 12 and five in their last uh, however many 17 games playing very well without Blake Griffin, even though Tobias Harris hasn't super fit in yet. Uh, they had that 50 spot. Uh, Lou Williams did against the uh, against the Warriors a few weeks back. And uh, they looked good throughout most of the game. The Warriors, the Warriors were uh, up against the ropes a few times. 
Yeah, it just, it just felt like every time the Dubs got to a point where they were really pulling away, the Clippers responded with a little run of their own. Part of that, I think, was just, like, really, really shoddy defense from the Warriors, um, especially in transition. Uh, Montrez Harrell got a ton of points. Uh, yeah, big, just, thunderous dunks. Just easy baskets in transition that I think a Warriors team that's locked in in June probably doesn't give up, but for, like sure. for right now. And messy turnovers that led to transition, bad bad transition defense, definitely. Yeah, and you saw Steve Kerr, like, it, it resulted in, like, a couple of frustration timeouts, like, I don't know. So that's, they, that's they only part had of it. two timeouts left with eight and a half minutes to go in the game, and then the Clippers went on another run, and uh, Steve Kerr elected not to call a timeout. They got within two, and Steve Kerr was like, "I'm not calling a timeout with eight and a half minutes to go. I only got two timeouts to go. You guys figure it out." And uh, luckily, they did. I, I think in in terms of uh, just what the things the Clippers did well, I thought you got a really good game out of. Both Lou Williams and and Tyrone Wallace. I thought again, like I said, Montrez. Cal product Tyrone Wallace. I thought Montrez Harrell was great. DeAndre Jordan had a couple of like really key free throws to like again like just keep them sort of hanging around, hanging around. Until Doesn't could... he look so natural at the line now? It's kind of ridiculous. I think he, twenty fourteen. I want to say he was like thirty seven percent, and he's uh, jumped up to like forty nine now. Nah, he's at fifty nine. Fifty nine. Yeah. And after last night, he made all his free throws last night. He made every single one of them. I think he made 6 of 6, 7 of 7, something like that. And uh, so that probably buns him up above the uh, 600. So it's just really drastic improvement in such a short amount of time. You know, like I'm happy for him. I, I think, again, it didn't matter last night because Steph went off for 44. Uh, the Warriors are the Warriors. I mean, Clippers' pick-and-roll defense, you know, during that game, too, was just atrocious. Like... The, there was a period of time in over the stretch of like late into the third quarter, majority though, like that bulk sort of first uh, portion of the fourth, where they just ran that double screen at the, t- at the top and had Steph sort of curl mm-hmm. off of it. And you either had a situation where they'd switch and you'd get uh, that Steph-DeAndre matchup that yes. Steph would exploit like for the majority of, of DeAndre his handled those situations pretty well, I would say. He for handled a, them as best he could, but it's anytime you get that switch, it's an automatic like win if you're yes. just playing the numbers game. Yes. Or or even worse, you'd see Rivers not fight hard enough over that screen and you give stuff like a wide open three. Buckets. And they ran that play every time down for maybe six or seven possessions. And there it was nothing you could do about it. Yeah, it was like it was really like robotic to watch after a while. Yeah, and it, I don't know. It's just gonna get worse, right? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. I thought a lot of the Warriors' possessions felt robotic in a good way. I don't want to say like the Warriors is are are like er, er, er. nah. It's it's a beauty. There's a beauty about it, but robotic in that it felt like they've done it so many times. Especially there were some plays that involved David West and Andre Iguodala, Draymond Green and Sean Livingston when they were all on the floor together, along with Clay Thompson. That's the best uh, five man unit defensively in the game. Thanks Doris Burke for that one and. The, the the passing was just so crisp, and the only shooter out there was uh, Clay Thompson, the only shooter. But it didn't matter; they were carving up the Clippers with their passing, and it was just, mm, it was it was beautiful to watch. But also, it felt so not rehearsed, but robotic. You know? Yeah, I I didn't mean robotic pejoratively. I meant like 
like it's automatic. You yes, know, like, automatic. Perfect. I mean, they, they anytime you can come down and run the same play over and over and over again, and you know either result you get, you're it's inherently in your favor. Like, you know, it's hard to stop that. And and again, it's after they called the same play. It's not like there was any type of variation. Like, yeah. And yeah, that's what I meant by. For sure. For robotic. sure. Yeah, and and speaking of robots or you know uh, acts of God or I don't know, Stephen Curry was uh, absolutely uh, incendiary once again. Had that crazy one uh, at the end of the first quarter. I mean, that was just like he in slow motion. You can see the moment his body squares to the basket and his wrist flicks, and then it's gone. Forty four on nineteen shots, eight of eleven from three. Mm. Like, like who shoots seventy three percent from three in a game? Like that's absurd. He's done it a lot of times. <laughs> Understand that, like we are fortunate to be watching the greatest shooter who's ever lived, right? Like, yes, yes. And may he reign for a long, long time. May he make it rain? Yeah, I think that, I think that's much better. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Miles didn't like four it. rebounds away from a triple double too. Draymond inhaled rebounds. How many did he have? Draymond had himself just eight. Oh, boo. eight rebounds. Uh, whenever sure he, he led the team, though. Whenever he goes for a rebound, it always feels like a, like two rebounds. You know, it's just like I double them in my head. I shouldn't do that. But uh, anyway, we have to take a break for our sponsors. Welcome back, Golden State Warriors. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Surface. Introducing Microsoft Surface Laptop Go. Available in three colors, its thin light design, built-in HD camera, and touchscreen turns any space into your workspace. More at surface.com slash laptop go. And we're back, and uh, we're going to talk about a subject that's tangentially related to the Warriors because, of course, Black Panther was set partially in Oakland, California. Very exciting. Uh, I'm going to let y'all know that uh, we're going to have be discussing spoilers in this podcast. And so if you don't want to hear them, you should turn off this episode now and go see the goddamn movie because it's good. What do you think of it, Miles? I also enjoyed it. I enjoyed the movie. Yes. I mean, there's so many, there's so many things to go into, but we'll, we'll just start about Oakland. Um, just having the prote- the, the antagonist represent, um, a very Oakland blackness that was, t- it, w- it was tinged with, with the rage of the anti-gentrification movement of Black Lives Matter, of all of these kinds of... Where did you see that in the movie? Well, one, the plot. His idea is that appropriating the you know the technology of wakanda can be used to liberate folks who are experiencing the effects of intergenerational white supremacy abroad particularly african americans um as he and his father believed killmonger uh, michael b jordan and his father believed that 
those weapons could be used to liberate the black folks that weren't thriving in Wakanda, right? And uh, so that, that was the whole point of the movie. Um, the whole point of his journey in the movie. Well, not, it, allegedly, of course, right? Of course, like, yeah, of, of course, not the whole point of his. But it was, yeah. But there, there was something else. There was something else inside of him. Something, something primal um, that just needed to be heard. And I know that feeling. I don't have it often. But so you were pro Killmonger, yeah. I understand where he's coming from. Yeah, yeah, I am. uh, You know, yeah, I am. Well, I mean, it helps that Michael B. Jordan killed it in the role. You don't think so? Mm Mm-mm. I really don't. All right, tell me about it. So, okay, so his last... First first of all, his last line should have been over after the word ocean, right? Like, if you just left it there, like, you let your audience kind of make that conclusion itself, right? You'd let them make the... uh, the, Because there was an allusion, right, to slavery... Um, and slaves jumping off of the end of the boat, right? That's not his fault. That's the dialogue. Whomever, right? Like, I'm, I'm, you're asking me, like, about the performance, right? That, so that should have been there. And then there were a lot of times where, like, the delivery of his lines, one, like, didn't feel believable in terms of, like, I didn't, I wouldn't believe that, like, someone in his position would say that line that way. And then part of what I was looking for, too, in his character if he was going to play the antagonist in this way was just in general to be like way more imposing than he was and like intimidating right like his first of all his main like shows of like aggression like the cues that the audience were supposed to pick up on as to you know this show is that he is you know, look how, like, much of a bad motherfucker like this dude is, right? Like, mm-hmm. were uh, acts of aggression against black women. Yes. Right? That's weird, right? That that was the thing. Um, and, not, and not weird. I think, like, that's why you're supposed to... That's, what, that's part of what you're supposed to be picking up on as to why, like, Killmonger's version of the world, like, is not viable, right? Like, and I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that, like, he is perhaps emblematic of more of the advantageous and and because they're advantageous like super patriarchal violent sort of black nationalist like tendencies gone wrong like the fact that like all of that violence like that occurred like against like black women was like kind of his thing the fact that like he was using like this like supposed like liberation like of people to like really just like you know assert sort of his own like dominance and authority and usurp like yeah isn't that uh, always how it works with dictators though they, well and uh, appropriating you know and that was a line in the movie right like he uh i think the guy who played everett ross the white cia agent was like you know this is what his job was this is what he's there to do because he was an instrument of the cia was an instrument of the american government who was who was sent his job before this was to you know, destabilize governments, right? Like, so what were his real motives then, in your opinion? Killmongers. Power, right? This is a movie about power, right? Like, and, and yeah, like, I think this was uh, somebody who understood, you know, what it is to be, like, left behind. And, like, maybe, you know, like, maybe you want to extrapolate that to, like, um, fit some other sort of, like... I think Ryan Coogler does. Yeah. I don't know. I think... One part of it is that, like, you know, there is an adherence to, like, what 
the story was like written to be. Mm-hmm. Even if that is a loose like adherence, because mm-hmm. a lot of my issues with the film, to be honest, like stem from a position as somebody who had read the books, and so we don't have to get into it. But just mm-hmm. like in terms of like time, just like chronologically, and even chronologically within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like the movie doesn't make sense. Gotcha. Yeah. I've 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 had that thought as well uh, about the chronology of the MCU. It just it's off. Right, like, because if Civil War has already happened, right, that means Black Panther has already married Storm, who mm-hmm. was nowhere in the movie, right? Yeah. Nakia is not even, like, this not even, right? Okay, but if you're just, you know, if you're just looking at the movie, you know, as itself, yeah, as one entity, I thought it was, I thought it was good. Um, I thought that Michael B. Jordan could have brought it a little harder. Like, I think he uh, was, like, just better in, like, Creed. I thought he was, like, better in Fruitvale. Which is not to say that he was bad in this, but I thought he could have brought it a little harder. One thing that I didn't like, too, is in the books, there were, like, me- like members of the Dora Milaje who were queer. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of written out of the, the story as well. Mm-hmm. It was, like, um, really heteronormative for, I thought, a lot of it. It's unfortunate because, like, it was in the books so you had source material from which to work from. For sure. But the other thing, too, is um, that the ending between Okoye and Wakabi... Um, uh, that touched my heart. Did you like it? I did. Yeah. Can you say because more? it was African as fuck. Because at that moment, everybody had it was a collective village moment. It, it was the village in action, and they realized what they had become, all at the same time. Who realized that? Initially, it was Wakabi's tribe tribesmen, but then I feel like. The Mountain Tribes guys and the uh, the Royal Guard. I mean, I just I just felt like there was this collective moment. It was a, it was a well acted scene and well shot, but a coll- a collective moment of almost awakening, mixed with a little bit of disgust that that they were fighting their brethren. That's that's the that's the feeling I got, and it just um, it's it's something that I don't think would be possible in another MCU movie. You know? What do you mean? The the glory is in the fight. Except for these African people, for which the glory is in the the tribe. Right. That's not that's interesting. That's not how I read it at, or when I first saw it. To be specific, I was talking about, you know, when he asked, like, would you kill me? Mm. Um and, and she, she said for Wakanda. And she said, Yeah, for Wakanda without question, or or for with for Wakanda, you know. And I thought that was really interesting because of, one, like, the dichotomy between Okoye and Nakia. Um, One, like, you know, acting out of, like, such, like, strict loyalty to her homeland and the other acting still out of, like, really sincere loyalty, but it was to, you know, this man, to T'Challa, which is why you had them, you saw them diverge in the film. But I thought it was interesting that even after, like, 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 to me, you had an opportunity for that, the line to have been delivered to be about, to, to, to me, to be more about what you were saying, which is about the people. And, like, I think it's telling that she said, you know, for Wakanda, right? There were so many, like, nationalistic, like, overtones, like, in the film. Don't, like, I, and I don't want this to be, like, conflated with, like, conversations that people are having about, like, tribalism, because I don't think it's the same thing at all um but so many like 
just like really nationalistic overtones. And I thought that was interesting considering like this is somebody who watched like the very warping of the entire like, you know, Wakandan like government, like way of existing by like one guy who like showed up with a dead white dude, right? Like he just walked up and had totally like thrown like their very, government, yeah, like, very their, infiltratable, their like yeah. very infiltratable monarchy. Totally toppled. And yeah. And still, you know, you know, had seen the violence in there, had seen this guy burn all of their heart-shaped herbs. He assaulted the elder woman who was tending to him. Like, saw all of this, like, violence happen, like, in the name of protection of not just, like, people abroad, but, like, of Wakanda. Like, that was, like, Michael B. Jordan's, or that was Killmonger's, excuse me, like, promise throughout the whole thing, right? Was that, like, you know... That's why the whole, like, this is your king line, like, he was promising that he was going to protect, mm. right, like, this nation. And even still, like, even witnessing, like, like how just, like, hollow all that was, it was still, like, I'll kill you for that, not, like, I'll kill you, like, for my people. And I never got the sense that, like, that sort of reformation in Okoye's character happened. Which I thought was interesting. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. Anyway, we have to take a break. And I want to talk to you about sponsoring the Locked On Warriors podcast. Because podcasts are where the action is right now. And advertisers are having field days over here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We're listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 and 44, a connected male audience. If that's what you're looking for, look no further than Locked On Warriors. Get in touch with me, alicocarter11 at gmail.com. I'll give you all the details. Our rates are incredibly reasonable. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm, here with good news and even better news. The good news? State Farm has new lower car insurance rates. The even better news? That means you can now get the service and convenience of a local State Farm agent at surprisingly great rates. State Farm can help you save more cash and get the good neighbor service you deserve. Just talk to your local State Farm agent or visit statefarm.com to find out how much you can save on your car insurance. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, America, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. And we're back. We're going to talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder, who just beat the Sacramento Kings. And on a buzzer beater, I didn't actually see it. Miles tells me it was quite the shot. Yeah, Russ hit a three on the right wing after the Thunder had blown, uh, I think they were up as many as 20 in the early uh, oh. part of the game. They were up like 20 in the first quarter, blew a lead to the Kings, and they kind of jostled down the stretch. And then, yeah, Russ hit him. Hit him with a three on the right wing at the as the buzzer went off. So no I'd like to see Russell Westbrook's clutch numbers. I wonder if they're good because he always they were not great at the beginning of the season. I haven't looked at them since like mid January, but they were not great mm. at that point. Because because he passes the eye test so often, but then of course there was that long stretch of of play where the Thunder were not playing well. They're playing extremely well right now. And, uh, well, they're up and down. 
but more up than down. And I think, you know, based on what I've been, I've been watching a ton of Thunder games lately, their chemistry is so much better than it was in the beginning of the season. The way someone put it, I can't remember if it was, uh, you know, Kevin Harlan or, or Reggie Miller or somebody, but it was a little prescient. Just Russ was like, you be you, I'll be me, and we'll make it work. And so it's almost like they're on the playground. Instead of worrying, they're just playing. It's not the most beautiful game that I've ever seen, but it's efficient and it's defensively very, very scrappy. They they have explosive players who can light it up, and it's it's they're exciting to watch. I didn't enjoy watching the Thunder at the beginning of the season, but I kind of like watching them now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like just in general, there's period of adjustment for new teams, right? Like you have to learn like how to play with one another, and I think like. While it can be, like, really simple for some guys, like, you see, like, uh, in Cleveland for the most part, even though they just lost to the Wizards, that in Cleveland for the most part, you know, guys like Clarkson and, and Nance seem to kind of just, you know, fit in. And part of that is because... It's because of LeBron. It's because of LeBron, right? Although maybe you let Kyrie tell it, and it's not as easy to play with him as you would think. And I remember at the beginning of the season, like, maybe mid-November, I remember telling someone, like, there's going to be a period, and if you remember, this is, like... Boston is untouchable and the Thunder really slumping. And I was like, there's going to be a season at, at which these two teams kind of converge because Boston's going to trend downward for a bit. And this Thunder team just has to figure it out, right? Like, Paul George, like, circa, what, 2013, 2014, he was going toe-to-toe with LeBron. Um, really, like, it was no big deal at all. Like, this guy's a bona fide all-star, um, has a legit case this year for Defensive Player of the Year can give you 25 a night if you ask him to, no no problem, like, at all. Playing next to a guy who, like, proved if he wanted to, he could go out and get a triple-double every night. Uh, just off the strength of that alone, like, it was only so long that that one-two punch wasn't going to work. Well um, I think it helps when you have guys like Steven Adams take huge steps forward, as he has. I thought they could have been a little more active at the trade deadline, but they've gotten, like, decent contribution from other guys. Again, most of this is, like, Paul George has gotten a lot more comfortable, and players have gotten like a lot more comfortable playing with one another. We're, we're talking about like uh, the top, you know, twenty five guys in the league, right? Yeah, yeah. Both of those guys are top twenty five players in the league. And and Olympic mellow is real. They're gonna they're gonna figure it out, right? Like and and maybe their ceiling is just like second round of the playoffs or whatever. But you know, we're just talking regular season. Like yeah, they're gonna figure it out, like, yeah. guys. Like let's see, they're the last. 10 games per 100 possessions. Like, I mean, they're not even, like, shooting the ball that well, like, to be honest. Like, last 10 games, only shooting forty about 44% on 100 possessions, 34 from three. But they get a bunch of rebounds. Um, yeah, they're a very good rebounding they team. They get a very bun- good offensive rebounding team. And that's, a, that's credit to Steven Adams. They get a bunch of rebounds, and they generally like keep it close to the plus minus like they're at a minus 1.2 right now so it's not like ideal but fifth best rebounding team uh in the league they're you know about an average offense but this team is really good defensively right like steven adams is like a really good anchor in the middle and again paul george has a really good case uh, for dpoi leading the league in steals and and part of that is again because Kawhi is not there but like for whatever reason um is he still leading the league in deflections yes george Yes, I mean, the league in steals and deflections. 
And also, he can play on ball and he can play the passing lane. He sees the court at the same time as he's playing on ball defense. And it's really awesome to kind of like watch him work, especially if the ball is somewhere else on the screen and you're seeing him defensively and just seeing him move and seeing the his head move as well. Here's a gift from the last time that, that he that y'all played the Thunder, actually, where uh, you watched him play off-ball defense on Klay Thompson, and it was unbelievable, like yeah. a glove. He stuck to him. They threw a, a couple of different screens at him. It, it didn't matter. Like He's incredibly active in the passing lanes. He can lock up your other teams like that. And he's often like guarded up against your other team's best player every night, right? Like He's yeah. usually playing that three, that four. Um, so, do you think that the the Warriors in the second round would rather play the the Wolves, the Thunder, or the Spurs? In, you know, if that were okay, the case, well, not the Spurs. I'm never gonna. I'm. I would never want to play the Spurs in the playoffs. Even if the Spurs like fielded a YMCA team, like there's just no reason for you to ever, ever want to play the Spurs in the playoffs. Yeah. I think that being said. I, and I and I say this because I feel like we always no like Kawhi. we always have the tendency though. What do we do every year? Every year, every year we say, you know what? This is the year that the Spurs take a step back. We did it at first when you know Duncan was clearly on the decline and Tony Parker got hurt. We were like, this is it, right? And it wasn't. You did it again uh, when Kawhi went down. A few, a few every year. There's a different reason that the Spurs and every year. The Spurs are right there because, you know, they, they got it. They got the system. They figured it out. They have one of the best medical staffs in the league, probably the best scouting department in the but league. With, okay, without Kawhi against the Rockets, you think they stand a chance? I would, like, gun to my head, I'm picking the Rockets, but, like, if you told me, like, the Spurs took them to seven... Like you it, wouldn't be surprised. No, I wouldn't, like I wouldn't not be, at all. I wouldn't be surprised. Not but, at all. You know, I mean, I, this the, is the best defensive team in the league, the, right? Like, yes, but the way, the way, the way in which the Thunder have thumped the Warriors this year, the way in which Houston has played the Warriors this year, versus you know, obviously we're gonna play the Spurs again. So that well, you wouldn't, you would right, you wouldn't be playing the Rocket. Like I, my answer was gonna be the Wolves, just because. Well, yeah, because this, this is the second round. This is the second round, right? Not right. the conference. I, I would want to play Minnesota because, like, I even think, like, even if they match up, like, well in terms of style, I think they would really muck it up and, like, try to grind the game to a halt. They make too many mistakes. You they know, make, it's, it's, they're, they're really young, right? Yeah. Like, they have to lean really heavily on Jimmy Butler. And, you know, that's tough. Like, when he's, what's the, the best case scenario is he gets switched on staff, right? If not, he has to deal with either Kevin Durant or, or Clay Thompson or Draymond, like, so his life would be a nightmare. Like yes, he could handle it though. Yeah, but and and then and that's the thing. Like you 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 stick one of those guys on him and it's like go ahead go go for forty. Like good luck. And then so I don't think the wolves have enough weapons. Like okay, so count out the wolves. You still think that you'd rather play the Thunder than the Spurs? Well, okay. Let me first say selfishly as a fan, I'd rather have a Thunder uh, Warriors. Oh yes, series. I mean no. <sighs> It feels wrong to, like, say, yeah, I'd rather go through Russell Westbrook and, and Paul George. But, I mean, at the same time, like... Spurs gone Spurs. Yeah, the, like, the Spurs are really tough, right? Like, the best defense in the league, right? And I think, yeah, there are a lot of, like, different places to, like, exploit different weaknesses there. But truth be told, I think the Warriors would be either of those teams. And I think there is a much greater chance 
that you run into a, a, a scheme that either Popovich, <clears throat> Popovich finds to exploit, um, or or a defense that again like, especially with the turnover problem the Warriors have, and you hold this to like eighty to like ninety five points a game. Like I don't know, like anything could happen. Yeah, and Man. and and the Warriors are keen on allowing silly silly things that the that the uh, that the, the Spurs just thrive on. Have they beaten y'all this year, the Spurs? We've only played once, and we won that game. And see, so it feels wrong because the what's y'all uh, one and two against the Thunder this year? No, we're two and we're zero oh and two. Zero oh and two. You haven't beaten them this year. Haven't beaten them. Yeah. No. So yeah, so I, I I get like why it feels like you know, and I don't mean to like discount the Thunder at all, but I just the Spurs in the playoffs are really scary. They're mm-hmm. the best defense in the league again without Kawhi Leonard, right? Like the team is really good, like system wise. Yeah. Are we and, sleeping? We're sleeping on them. I think I just think it's a part of the game at this point. As yeah. much of a part of the game, like, as the shot clock is. Sure. I think sure. underrating the Spurs, like, every year, yeah. it's just, like, part of it. And then every April, there they are, like, right there. Well, let's hope the Warriors don't sleep on the Thunder tomorrow night. Super late Friday evening podcast here, and we're getting news that Jimmy Butler has gone out of the Houston Rockets game against the Timberwolves with a, an apparent... Knee injury, they took x-rays, there's going to be a full evaluation coming from Tom Thibodeau, you know, I mean, speculation, he couldn't put any weight on it at all coming out uh, of the game, and so, you know, you got to look at at maybe an ACL tear or or, or something like that, and we, we hope that he's okay and that it isn't another major NBA injury. And that's about as much time as we have today. Enjoy the game tomorrow, and stay thoughtful, Hoopsheads. Hey, Bay Area sports fans, this is Ben Kaspic, host of the Locked On Giants podcast which should be the next Locked On podcast you fire up in your feed. The MLB offseason is closing in, and I'll have you covered every day, breaking down the rumors, speculation, and transactions that'll shape next year's Giants team. Subscribe to Locked On Giants right now on your favorite podcast provider. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.